Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is good, Night Nation is on the heels of a Halloween victory in Houston. UCF now with the bye week before the final three games of the season. What's good, Night Nation? Welcome in here to another edition of Two Nights, One Podcast. He's Leger Doosable, longtime NFL veteran, 10 years, former UCF standout. Along here with Scott Adams and Dews. Wow, maybe the most complete game of the season offensively, defensively, special teams. UCF goes out on the road and throttles the Cougs 44-20. to And Dews, at the same time, that was the fourth road game of the season. And UCF right now sits at 4-2 and on the year with three games to play. 100% agree with that, Scott. You know, offense, defense, special teams really coming together. And to have a complete game, you got to really love what you saw from the off- offense on Saturday when they took something away in the passing game. We were able to run the ball effectively going for over 300 yards. You got to love what you saw from the defense, really only giving up 13 points. And we'll talk about that more a little bit later in the show. And then on special teams, Daniel Orbos- Orboski, probably his best game yet of the year. Special Teams Player of the Week. You got to really love what that did for his confidence and what it will do going forward. Coming up here on this edition of Two Nights, One Podcast, we will do a deeper dive in the road win against Houston. That rush offense for the Knights, two consecutive weeks in a row, they have gone for over 300 yards. The shorthanded defense, wow, what an effort against Houston. And finally, the next three weeks, UCF will be in the state of Florida to close out this season. We'll get to that in just a second, but first, here's this, a Word from this week's sponsor. The NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Two nights, one podcast, Scott Adams along with Leger Doosable and Doos. Let's take a look back here at that Houston victory, fourth road game of the season. And let's start with that that night offense because here over the course of the past two weeks, Josh Heupel and his offensive staff have really now been a little bit more reliant and, and, and run heavy, run focus 
because it's working and your offensive line is playing at an extremely high level right now. You have both Otis Anderson, Greg McRae, both go over a hundred yards. Bento, he wasn't too far off, 87 yards. All three of those guys score touchdowns on the ground. But what has now changed the past couple weeks here for this UCF offense where that run game has really been able to, to smash the fronts of the defense? Yeah, Scott, we, we've talked about it, right? The, the run game has been really effective. I would say even going back to the Memphis game, that's when it really started to, to turn those yards. The offensive line started to get a little bit more aggressive, get nasty in that line of scrimmage. And the running back started running more physical. And you have to love that because it opens up the offense so much more. And you have to love what Coach Hype, Hype did in the second half. You know, most offensive coordinators will be bullheaded, bull, bullheaded and be like, you know, we're, we're a passing offense. I'm going to continue to pass the ball. But you saw they gave him some different coverages, right? They were more physical with Marlon at the line of scrimmage, had a safety over the top of him with, with Jalen and Ryan O'Keefe, really tried to press them at the line of scrimmage because they're smaller receivers and get physical with them. And, and they took some throws away. So what Hypo did to combat that was we're like, we're going to put this on our offensive line. We're going to run the ball effectively like we did versus Tulane last week. And you have to love the response by the offensive line. Uh, we talked about this a little bit on, on, on the game during the game on Saturday that the, off, the defense from Houston really wanted to muddle up the middle, right? They didn't want any runs coming up the middle because if you saw the first play of the game versus Tulane uh, uh, last two weeks ago, you know, Gray McCray right up the middle, right, for 54 yards. Well, Houston came into this game saying we're not going to allow that. So you have to really commend the, the, the running backs from, the UC, from UCS uh, offense because it was muddled up in the middle. They had great vision, and they bounced a lot of runs outside because Houston, because they were making sure that UCF didn't run between the tackles, they lost leverage on the outside. They lost contain on the outside. And, and case in point, the, the, the run to really to seal the game at the end of the game with Otis Anderson running to the outside, to the left, out, outside, and, and, and breaking that for 40-plus yards for a touchdown showed that the running backs, you know, saw how the game was swinging, that they weren't going to be able to run and get those tough yards up inside. But they showed patience, were able to, to bounce out to the outside, and, and holes open up, gaping holes open up for them later on the game. You saw it with Benzo. You saw it with Greg McCray so many times. I believe on Greg McCray and, and, and Benzo's touchdown runs, none of those plays were designed to bounce to the right like they did, right? But they showed patience. Even, even in goal line situations, they showed patience, took their time, waited for the hole to develop, and then broke out when the hole was there. And you have to love what you're seeing from the UCF running backs. Yeah, and I think if you get an opportunity to go back and either watch a portion of the game or watch some of the highlights, these night backs have been elusive because they have. They've put moves on defenders to get a little bit more of that that yards after the fact, after that first movement. But at the conclusion of this football game, and we go back to the offensive line, one of those game balls was given to that UCF fats, as they're now calling them. They're, they're on the, the line as that 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 four, that five that are up there, and you can even throw Jake Hescock up there as well as being a difference maker for why this team is now as balanced dues as they are. Going into that game, Houston was number one statistically in the league in terms of not giving up rush yardage. Well, UCF puts 353 on them, and that, I believe, was the first time the Knights, and who knows how long, outgained the UCF pass off on the day where dues right now UCF is leading the league in rush yards per game along with total offense with the pass and I love it Scott right as a defensive lineman you love you relish the physical type games running games and in practice we call it 907 inside run you relish that because it really shows 
the physicality on your team. And right, we talked about it in the first half, our offensive line kind of struggled in pass protection, right? So if you're struggling in one area, you have to excel in the next area. And they excelled in run blocking. They held on to guys, moved guys off the line of scrimmage, and were able to help the running backs find holes to have those explosive runs that we talked about. 350 yards rushing. You got your butt kicked if you give up more than 200 yards rushing, but 350 yards rushing, that's usually unheard of, especially from a UCF team. And you discussed it. They're usually called UCF fast, but now we got UCF fat. Giving some love to the <laughs> offensive line, which I really love. Got to give some love to the big hogs up front. They had a hell of a game in the, in the run game on Saturday. Well, before we get to that defense, just a couple other quick notes here, dudes. The Texas boys, they, they shine on, mm-hmm. on, the, on that Houston turf, this being both Ryan O'Keefe. He's just outside of Austin and Jay Flash, Jay Robinson. He comes back. He's from Fort Worth. Both of these guys had a, a ton of family and friends there in attendance. And, and as a player, being able to go back to where you're from, there's always that extra level of motivation because you want to put out in front of your guys. Oh, 100%. And I'll tell you a story about me. When we used to go to Tampa to play in the rival game versus USF, I knew I was going to have a whole bunch of friends and family there. And I think Hypo kind of joked about this. And, and you know, in the post game, talking about Ryan O'Keefe and, and Jay, Jaylon Robinson, how many tickets they needed this week. But, of course, there's added this incentive. And I think even one of the reporters asked him, did, did you sense that from – from Ryan O'Keefe and Jaylon Robinson when, when they were going back home to play in front of a lot of their friends and family. And, of course, there's, there's added pressure, but it's also added excitement, right? Because a lot of those players on that team, you might have played against, you know, in high school and Little League, and you get to see them again, and you want to compete at the highest level because you want those bragging rights when you come home. So there's something to be said. I think there's also something to be, something to be said when, you know, a team tries to take away your number one receiver and Marlon Williams, and then your other two and three receiver come up and come up big. And that's the thing that I was, uh, you've been saying all year long. It's really hard to key on just one receiver. Yes, Marlon, his, the way he's been producing is, is just astronomical, right? But then you got to look at it. You try to take him away from the game. And I think he still had over 80 yards receiving. But then you still got to deal with, with Jay Flash on the other side. You still got to deal with Ryan O'Keefe and Jacob Harris. And that's the thing that really excites you about this UCF offense. It's hard to just take away one thing because there's so many weapons on the outside that Dylan Gabriel can pick from. And you really love that when, when Marlon Williams didn't have the numbers he's had the last, you know, four or five weeks, that Jalen Robinson picked it up, that the Ryan O'Keefe picked it up. That's what makes this UCF offense almost unstoppable. Well, speaking of unstoppable, Dylan Gabriel looked like he had a, a little bit of, of unevenness there in that third quarter. But I think that's the beauty of Dylan Gabriel is he never lets a sequence of plays really affect his psyche for the for the the ensuing drive or the next series because there in that third quarter I believe there was seven or eight balls uh, incompletions by Dylan Gabriel we haven't seen much of that but he's able to then follow that up later on in the half with strikes down the field obviously that rush game was also a, a huge component but dudes how about this now 166 straight passes without an interception that spans the past four games that that is incredible yeah it definitely is and it's an uh, amazing accomplishment we talked about it right whoever won the turnover margin was going to win this game and we stated that in the beginning uh he said it really had had some trouble you know getting the ball turned over for their defense and on our offense they had turned the ball over quite a bit so I knew that was going to bode in our favor if we won that the, the, the turnover battle and you have to love what you've seen from Dylan Gabriel he's finally starting to get 
some some love nationally as far as the Heisman race. I, I heard that you can actually write them in now for the, the Heisman race. And you just talked about it, right, earlier. Nothing gets too big or too, or too high for him. He had seven straight, like, incompletions. But I go back before the third quarter and the second quarter, he was getting beat up by that defensive line, right, from, from Houston. And for him to hold it in, I think on a, a quick play, we ran the ball, maybe got five, six yards, and then the next play, UCF fast, right? We hurry up, get to the line of scrimmage. Rhino Keith, Keith beats his guy, gets behind him. He throws a strike to him. This kid had been battered, literally, Scott. He was getting battered by that defensive line from Houston. I believe they had six sacks on the day, and that really hadn't happened to UCF's offense all year long where the defensive line was getting that type of pressure on Dylan Gabriel. Maybe the Tulsa game a little bit, but I think this game was even worse than that as far as him getting – you know, hit. He got hit multiple times, and I think me and you talked about. We we're kind of worried about him getting up a few times, but he showed his toughness. He stuck in there. He had he had a little shaky third quarter, but he bounced back. And at the end of the day, this kid shows that he has guts, and he's not afraid of the big moment. Yeah, one of the top quarterbacks in all of college football and the nation's number one offense. But offense aside, Deuce, we we got to get to that UCF defense, yeah. which quite. Quite frankly, for 60 minutes of football, they looked as as if that was the best effort they put on the field start to finish. That night defense would sack Clayton Toon three times on the day. They would have two interceptions, one from Richie Grant, a huge one from Eric Gilliard. If you recall, that would come in the red zone as, as Houston was driving in. But again, cannot say enough about guys stepping up because at the beginning of this football game, and, and Knight fans, they, they know the story at this point. You know, the, the players that were involved in the evening prior to going out on the road trip, they did not make the trip out to Houston. So other guys needing to step up. Noah Hancock, Cam Good, Landon Woodson, Morris Brash, they're on the defensive line, Anthony Montalvo. And then those, those rookie cornerbacks, they continue to mature, dudes. Yeah, and you have to love and give some kudos to Randy Shannon because he has been scrutinized, right, Scott? A lot of people always talk about our offense, but coming into this season, I think me and you said it, we were more excited about our defense just because we had a, a lot of veterans coming back. I mean, I, I really feel that Tate Gowan, you know, opt out hurt us because we were probably looking at one of the most uh, seasoned secondaries in the nation before he decided to opt out and then ban Moore's injury. We thought he would be back too. So we're looking at it looking like, Man, we got four, maybe five seniors in the secondary. I don't know how many teams could actually say that. And these are all players that play at a high level. But, you know, uh, Bam, it wasn't ready. Take Gowan ops out. We have our two freshman corners, you know, playing, and they're going to get better each and each week. And you've kind of seen that on Saturday. They had their most complete game. And then we'll talk about the red zone because you talked about that briefly in the description saying that we got that, that pick from Eric Gilliard, which was monumental in the red zone. And we talked about this. Teams that usually have a higher win percentage in the red zone, you know, the game kind of turns to their favor in winning the game. And that first half, they were 0 for 2 in the red zone. They missed a field goal, and then Eric Gilliard gets the interception. You know how, how much that really gives your, like, ups your percentage in winning the game? It's monumental. Those are big things that UCF ha has really done as far as takeaways and, and tackles for loss. Coming into the season, you know, I think the defense was a little bit mad because the offense was getting all the pub. But UCF was one of the best defenses coming back this year into the season. Now, we hit a bump in the road, you know, early in the season, going from, from the two-lane game and then a little bit in the Memphis game. But since then, I feel like our defense has kind of got back on track, playing to the level that they're accustomed to, playing to the level that's expected of them, right? We knew we were going to have some bumps in the road because we had a lot of true freshmen playing in the secondary. 
And that's the, the problem you're going to have when you, when you have a Randy Shannon de- defense who I don't say predominantly plays man, but he likes to get aggressive with a, a couple blitzes and play man here and there. And those kids are going to just get better and learn and learn. But you have to love the, the people that, that, that stepped up. And I think uh, enough has been said about uh, uh, Tatum Bethune. Uh, to me, I think he had his best game of the year as far as, you know, breaking up screens, getting physical in the run game, even in the past game, being real reliable and a guy you can count on. Eric Gilliard has been a mainstay. He's going to do what he does every week, week in and week out. I think some people actually take that for granted. I think they took that for granted in the Memphis game, not having him in there. I think it shows when he's in there, this defense is a totally different defense. And then guys that we talked about, Landon Woodson, Morris Brass, getting more opportunity and showing what they can do. These are these are players that I felt that should have been playing a little bit more towards the beginning of the season. And they stepped up in a big way. As you stated, we had two starters not, not playing on the defensive line, and we didn't really miss a beat. Cam Good stepped up. He really relished that opportunity and stepped up. So did Noah Hancock, and you have to love it. Even Shoots, the, 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 the true freshman, got in and got a tackle for a loss. So you really have to love the depth and some of these young guys getting more experience, going to get better and better as the year goes on. Well, and do is a two-part question here for you. First, you, you talked about Tatum Bethune. He was second on the team in tackles with eight. Derek Gaines gets the start. Obviously, there was uh, there was Antoine Collier not a part of the equation, leading the team with nine tackles. There were four total starters that would typically play, did not. So, if if you're this now, this UCF defense and some of these guys. That, that got more reps here this past week. What does that, one, do for your psyche? And then at the same time, what does that say to these guys who, who off the field decided to make these decisions, which may now ultimately cost them jobs or cost them even a spot still on this football team? Yeah, well, for one, for the players that have played in, in Saturday's game, it has to give you a boost of confidence, right? they had their most complete game on defense and guys played at a high level, right? And we talked about this. Who's going to relish this opportunity? Like college, any sports period, you have to relish the opportunity to get on the field because it's a blessing to be able to play this sport and play at a Division One school or any school period. To be able to play this game at the next level is truly a blessing. And when you get that opportunity, you have to seize it. And we saw guys seize it. We talked about it. Cam Good, Tatum Bethune. Uh, again, it's to me... I, I felt even last year was a good player that could have been seeing more time, and, and it looks like he may get extended time going you know, forward in the season. I think he had one of his best games as he gets more and more comfortable being back there with Richie Graham. And then also uh, Morris Brass and Landon Woods, the guys that had going back to last year, really had really good seasons last year, and I felt like they didn't play enough last year. It seems like they're going to get extended minutes now too. And, and, and adversity for the, for the guys who, you know, and who have messed up off the field – you know, football moves on without you. And I, I had a coach tell me, quick, uh, whether you're here today or tomorrow, this game's going to continue going on, right? So you have to realize that, and you have to, to, to really know that you're in a blessed situation to be able to, to play college football because so many people want to be where you're at, and they don't have the opportunity to get there or they don't have the skill set to be there. But once you have that opportunity, you need to hold on to it, right? You know, don't, don't hurt yourself off the field. Don't hurt yourself on the field. Do what you're supposed to do. Because it can be taken away from you just like that, as we see. Dudes, I think I'm going to make that your due speak for this week. Football moves on without you. And, you know, it's a harsh reality for, for those guys 
But you, you see the way that defense played this past week, and it's going to be a tough tough pill to swallow. We'll, we'll see what this coaching staff and athletic department uh, you know, elects to do. That word, my guess, will be coming here in, in the, the coming days. But this bye week also now provides UCF. And this is cool, the way that this is really shook down for the Knights, yeah. because the last bye week that occurred, UCF desperately needed that one at the time after those first three games. You now here play the next three games for the most part this team is is physically healthy here before playing yep. temple in in two weeks and at the same time you're now four and two and a lot can still occur here to be able to hopefully put ucf in a position where they might have the ability to play in that conference championship game because we've got a lot of football still to play you got the likes of of smu tulsa and houston who are in front of you but those teams will start to to knock each other off ucf with the two losses in the conference dues the final three games of the year, all of them in the Sunshine State. We're not having to leave. No, not, not at all, Scott. And that's what you got to love about, you know, football, whether it's college, high school, NFL. There's still a lot of football, whether there's three games, four games. Some teams may even have five games left because of what's been going on with COVID and, and the rescheduling of games. But you just said it, the comfortability of playing in the Sunshine State. Two games at home, one right up the road in Tampa. You have to really love where you, I don't want to say you want to love where you're sitting at if you're UCF because, you know, we've already let two get away from us. But as far as things that, that are still on the vision board for us to accomplish, they're still there, right? We just talked about it. The likes of SMU, Memphis, and Houston, and Tulane, they still have to play each other. So those teams are going to slowly but surely start knocking each other off. All UCF can, all UCF can do is handle their business and worry about who's in front of them, right? Right now, what's in front of you is the bye week, getting everybody healthy and, and – and it's a lot different from the last bike week we had, right? After the Tulsa game, we didn't know if, if we had a game the next week, how many people would even actually be able to suit up to play. But we're, at a different, we're in a different uh, situation this time. For one, we're coming off two straight wins. People are mostly healthy. I, I think it'll be a, a big week for a guy like Marlon. Uh, I think you saw the, the circus catch that he had, and he got beat up by two defenders, but was able to, to brush them off and, and keep running. Not only you know, taking a hit, but dishing out some pain, too. He's been hit a lot, you know, in this, short, this shortened season. So a guy like him will really benefit from this. A guy like Dylan Gabriel, who, got, who took a lot of licks in that last game, he'll benefit from this. I think ben, Benno got beat up maybe a little bit in the game. He'll benefit from this. So having guys get this bye, and we've been blessed, right? Three, three, and three, and had a bye after each single one of them. I mean, you, that usually never happens in the schedule. And because of what UCF has done, for the most part, off the field and not really exposing themselves to, to, to having this, this virus, it's really put them in this position, right, to have the, the break after three games. So this week, you really just look and you self-scout yourself, right? We're coming down to the home stretch. We got to figure out what we have to do to win each game, starting with Temple, right? Then it goes to Cincy, then USF. But it's one game at a time. You have to figure out what you do well, what you can really improve on and really work on those fundamentals this week during the bye. Dudes, I don't want to be a, a broken record here every week applauding and, and, and congratulating this UCF football team, but I, I think it's deserving that this, yeah. this coaching staff, the players on the field, the support staff, for us to now go through six games and not have the same issues with an outbreak of any sort where you see it not just in the, the AAC. We've already faced teams that have missed games or have had to postpone games. Cincinnati yep. and Tulsa, they won't play till the end of the season because of what happened to Cincinnati. 
That hasn't been the case a- a- at all for UCF. We take a look at the Big Ten right now. Wisconsin mm. is Wisconsin, not going to be eligible oh to play in a in a potential championship game because they're not going to be able to get through six games. So I, I do want to reinforce the fact that you should, as a Knight fan, as a, a former Knight player, as a Knight broadcast, you should be proud uh, of the fact that your, your guys ha- have done what they have been asked to do in terms of not putting themselves in a, in a position to to compromise the rest of the team. Yeah, 100% for the most part. You know, most of the, the, the football players have done exactly what they're supposed to do. And you have to commend that coaching staff, the support staff, Mary, uh, Mary Vanderhaden, and the rest of the training staff for, for being in place and, and, and making sure the players have everything they need. And also the players, you know, doing what they're supposed to do off the field because that's just as important as what you do on the field. We just stated it, teams like Wisconsin may not even get six games on the whole year. We've already seen it. Uh, Tulsa's had to reschedule a few games. Cincinnati's had to. Memphis, because of them, has had to reschedule a few games. I believe Houston didn't even play their first game until we had already played our third or fourth game. So you have to really commend these student athletes for doing what they're supposed to do, not only on the field, but off the field. Well, an awesome win here for the Knights this past week. UCF will have the bye this week. They'll take on Temple and the Owls back in the bounce house under the lights. That'll be Saturday, November 14th. Quickly here, dudes, before we wrap things up this week, this weekend in the American SMU, they'll be taking on Temple, UCF's next opponent. Tulsa goes to the road against Navy. Remember, Tulsa 3-0 in league play. And Cincinnati, who UCF will see there on the 21st of November at home. They've got the Houston Cougars coming off that loss against UCF. So maybe a couple quick thoughts on, on this weekend's games in the American. Yeah, it's like you talked about. There's a lot of football to be played in. We have our bye, like it was scheduled to be this week because we've done what we're supposed to do off the field, which bodes right for us. We talked about a Houston style to play Cincinnati. So one of those teams is going to get a loss. If Houston gets another loss, that's two. And then we have the tiebreaker over them, right? Then you talked about it. Uh, I believe you said Navy plays. Navy at home uh, against Tulsa. Tulsa, which is a big game, right? Because that's not an easy win playing that triple option. I think Zayvon Collins had got beat up last week too, their defensive leader. So we see how that plays off. There was actually a blown call in that ECU game. So they could have technically already had a loss, right? Then you also look at uh, Memphis that has two losses already. I think they still have to play Houston. So there's a lot of football left to be played in this American Conference. So we'll see where things shake out at the end of the season. It's two nights and one podcast, and we appreciate you listening, not to just this one, but listen, hey, every single week. And if you want to, if you, if you feel the urge, if you want to go back and listen to some, some of the past ones, hey, that's okay, too. You know, we're not yeah, going to judge you for that. <laughs> like, subscribe. You can catch it every Thursday morning when this drops, Spotify, Apple, iTunes. And uh, Dues and I will be back come next week getting set for the Temple Contest that will happen on the 14th of Saturday. Dues, that's going to do it. We'll savor this uh, this victory this past week and then get back after it uh, next week against the Owls. Oh, yeah, let's do it. And also, as Scott said, for this week's Dues Speak, man, football moves on without you. So never take it for granted. Uh, and we're going to leave it at that. He's Leje Doosable. I'm Scott Adams. You've been listening to Two Nights and One Podcast. And go Knights. Charge on. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early 
so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.